Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits, thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I ask that you forgive us of our sins and iniquities and transgressions and shortcomings. And Lord, those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm asking for this time right now, Lord, that the study go well, that everything be in your name, that there is no error, Lord, that is spoken in your word, for you hold your word, Lord God, above your name. So, Lord, I'm asking that it be edifying, Lord, to the body of Christ. I'm asking that this word may get out to those who want to receive you, Lord, not for our glory, not for our popularity, Lord, before doing your will, that your word reach those, Lord, who don't know who you are. Lord, I ask right now that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit, Lord, that is anti-Christ. I'm asking, Lord, that they be bound today. I'm asking, Lord, that they have no place here. I'm asking, Lord, that we follow you in spirit and in truth and in obedience. Lord, for your way is the right way, and the whole world needs to know that. Lord, let us grow spiritually every day, Lord, being transformed into your image through your word and all things. Lord, let the body of Christ grow. It's not about this ministry. It's about the body itself coming together under one ruler, under one roof, under one conductor, under one Savior, the man Christ Jesus. Lord, I'm asking that in all ways we be fulfilled in you, that our families, Lord, may have an understanding that we all draw sides, Lord, and we all join up with you, that we all settle in our minds and our hearts right now, that the biggest thing, Lord, is to cling to our faith and not be deceived, that we follow you, Lord, in all truth, for you are the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord, I'm asking that everyone in the ministry reaches their full potential, because there is no ministry except the ministry of Christ. And Lord, you have placed us and you are working with us, Lord, and we just want to go through the whole experience with you, that all things be made righteous. Lord, I ask that you bless Sarah, Lord, and her gift of prayer. Lord, I'm asking that you bless my brother Martin, Lord, and his information and all that you're doing with him, Lord, forming, sculpting, and shaping him. I'm asking, Lord, that you bless my brother Eric, Lord. He's well on his way. And I'm asking, Lord, that you bless his wife, Holly, and their little son, Jackson. I'm asking, Lord, that you bless Jake, Lord, and his gift of evangelism, and Laura as well, Lord. I'm asking, Lord, that you get Chantel up, Lord, to do your will, because she does have Bible understanding. I'm asking that she may grow in you. I'm asking, Lord, that we bring other members, Lord, that were at the conference, those that we don't know. Lord, I'm asking that you direct the poor in our direction, Lord, for they need to know your word, too. You have always exalted the poor, Lord, not the wealthy, not the knowledgeable of the world, not those that are considered the elite. For, Lord God, you get more glory in bringing forth your truth and, and raising up those, Lord, who have little to none. For you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, the only righteous, true, just, faithful God. Bless my dad, Lord, in his eye. Bless my family, Lord, that they may be well, Lord, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. I'm asking that you bless Sarah's family, Lord. You know what they need, Lord. And I'm asking that only you, the great physician, almighty God, can take care of them. I'm asking that you bless the family, Lord, of the ministry. Lord, bring more people into your truth. 
not for our sakes, Lord, but for yours. God, do it for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so tonight's study is going to be on the book of James, the epistle. I think we're going to run through that because it hits on a lot of key points. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we're just going to slowly break this Bible down. And as we begin to, it just really, you know, just really helps you put this jigsaw together, jigsaw puzzle together, having an understanding, the things that Paul says, the things that Jesus says, the things that James says, you know, Jude, you name all of them. All of them had sound doctrine, and they all spoke the words of Jesus. Right. Every single one of them. So there is no denominations. You know, there's only one body of Christ. Mm-hmm. All right, so we should probably read up a little on James, too, okay. to have some have an understanding as to its history and uh, a few other things. So we know what time frame we're in. You know who the author was. Okay. Uh, I don't think that there is. I know that. Um, I have it. All right, I have it. Okay, the author. Uh, the author identifies himself as James, uh, one one. And he was probably the brother of Jesus and leader of the Jerusalem Council, Acts 15. For men in the New Testament have this name. Uh, The author of this letter could not have uh, been the Apostle James, who died too early in 44 um, AD, to have written it. The other two men uh, named James had either the stature nor the, had neither the stature nor the influence of the writer of this letterhead. James was uh, one of several brothers of Christ and was probably the oldest since he uh, heads the list in uh, Matthew thirteen fifty-five. At first, he did not believe in Jesus and even challenged him and misunderstood his mission. Now, I don't know if this is true. This is, um, it says John 7, 2 through 5. Later, he became very prominent in the church. He was one of the select individuals Christ appeared to after his resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, 7. Um, Okay, Paul called him a pillar uh, of the church, Galatians 2, 9. Paul, on his uh, post-conversion visit to Jerusalem, saw James, Galatians 1, 19. Paul did the same on his uh, last visit, Acts 21 and 18. When Peter was rescued from prison, he told his friends to tell James, uh, Acts 12, uh, 17. Uh, James was a leader uh, in the important council of Jerusalem, Acts 15 and 13. Jude could identify himself simply as a brother of James, uh, Jude 1, 1. So well-known was James. Uh, He was martyred in 62 AD. So, you know, I want to clear up something here because perhaps it's not uh, being understood, but it says that this James was the oldest brother of Jesus, you know, or the oldest. They meant oldest of the younger 
brothers of Jesus, none older than Jesus himself. Right. Um, Jesus was born of a virgin. You know, I want to make that clear. There are other verses that tell you that. So he was the firstborn. And then maybe this James came after as the older brother. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I just wanted to make sure that that part is sound because some people would look at that and say, so Jesus wasn't born of a virgin. It was just, um, you know, Mary had a son even before him, but that's not the case. Right. All right. So we'll start in James 1 and the first verse. Um, and yeah, one thing, other thing about James, he was the head of the Jerusalem council because when Paul decided to get the money, remember when he asked uh, Corinth to get money to send back to Jerusalem, you know, James was the head of the church there at that mm -hmm. point. All right, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, uh, greeting. Now, you know, the 12 tribes were scattered back in the time of Nehemiah, Ezra, you know, Esther, you know, when 10 of the tribes fled. So this is what he's talking about. Uh, my brethren, count it all joy uh, when ye uh, fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So it's saying being perfect, mature, being entire, being complete in the Lord, wanting nothing, like lacking nothing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is the goal that we need to have concerning James, you know, what he's talking about, working patience. Right. So for me, I want to go to Matthew uh, 4 real quick, and we'll start at the uh, first verse. I want to get into the temptation that Jesus suffered, what he went through, how he wanted to... Um, you know, give an example of what it is to be tempted. And that's why the Bible says Jesus himself was tempted just like we were, you know, but yet sinned not. So it's all about being complete in Christ. Matthew um, 4, verse 1. Then was Jesus led up to the up of the Spirit unto the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So understanding that Jesus had to do this, this is our spiritual walk as well. We are also going to be tried and tested by Satan. And I can tell you firsthand, when it comes to fasting, oh man, I mean, you know, if you think the devil wasn't bothering you before, he'll really start to bother you now. You know, all sorts of things just to throw you off. Right. So that's a part, that's why he says rejoice, because it's a part of what you must go through as a Christian mm -hmm. following Christ. Uh, verse 2, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and, and hungry. I guess it says hunger. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that uh, these stones be made bread. So what you understand here is that Satan is doing this, you know, one, not because he doesn't believe himself that he's the son of God, one, he's trying to get Jesus to obey him and not the Father. Right. Two, he's trying to pull Jesus back into the natural, trying to pull him back into time and space. Mm -hmm. You know, and Jesus is not about that. So we'll pick it up in verse four. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So it's not about trying to perform something for the enemy, this is talking about obeying the Lord. Okay, and that's why when Jesus said in John 6, 
I am the bread of life. Mm-hmm. You know, he was talking about he was the word of God. He was all you need to survive and to make it. Right. Verse 5. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Now this is the devil quoting scripture. See, a lot of people think that they know, you know, all the depths of the devil, all of his tricks. One thing that the devil recognized in verse 4 was Jesus told him, Jesus quoted scripture, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. So Satan said, oh, okay, you're going to quote scripture. All right, so I'm going to come back at you with scripture too. Right. You know, and see if I can match you. <laughs> you know, and he quoted Psalm 91 here. So, you know, he was valid in what he said, but the fact of the matter is, you know, Jesus is going to answer him in verse 7. Right. Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So regardless of what, you know, of what we have in faith, we got to make sure that we're not tempting God. God's going to do his miracles for his purposes, right. not to be caught up in what the devil wants us to do. Mm-hmm. And that's why the Lord is slow to show power. Because people get carried away and they get puffed up in pride and then the devil owns them. Then you wonder how how sometimes people can start in the faith knowing the Lord, having the power gifts, and somehow end up in Satan's camp cheering on the devil, doing the devil's will. Because they allow themselves to be puffed up in pride, not following the word of God, you know, and Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. But notice the devil gave more than one test. This is how the devil is going to be with us. If he tries to tempt you with something that held you in the past and you overcome that, then he comes with something else. But his goal is to try and bring you down. But we have to keep our eyes focused on the Lord. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and sheweth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Interesting thing about this too is that, well, I'll I'll go to verse 10. And then Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So, you know, this is something important too because, you know, just like Adam and Eve when Satan tried to tempt them, he came along with the same pattern. Mm -hmm. Three things. Ye shall be as gods. You know, you won't die. You know, um, what was the third? And he came up with three. But he said, you won't. Your eyes will be open. He shall surely not kill thee. Yeah, well, you will surely not not die. die. Right. So he he lied and said he wouldn't die. He lied and said that they would evolve. Mm -hmm. You know, and then he said, your eyes shall be open, knowing good and evil. You should be as gods. Right. You shall be as gods. Now, look at what he did with Jesus. The same pattern. The lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh and the pride of life. It was the same makeup that he tried to come with Jesus with. But Jesus being the son of God and, you know, moved of the Holy Ghost, you know, the heavenly man, not the earthly man. You know, the heavenly vessel 
the devil had nothing on him. Mm -hmm. So verse 11, it says, Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. So the Bible makes very clear, too, even in the book of James, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Right. So this is where people need to know to be strong in the Lord. But he was tempted of the very same things that we were, yet without sin. So no one can ever say that Jesus didn't do something, you know, when he did it first. So there's no excuse for us if we have the Holy Ghost, mm -hmm. you know. And some people talk about measuring up to Moses. You know, in some ways, living under our godly inheritance, we should be greater than Moses. Why? Because the Holy Ghost lives in a real believer. Mm -hmm. Jesus showed you what the signs were and what should be done. So we have to recognize that every word of God that is quoted, that is written, is true. When Jesus was tempted of his enemy, he went right to the scripture to defeat him. Right. The sword of the spirit. Right. So we can go back to James. But I just wanted to make that point really clear that Jesus himself was tempted of everything that we were, yet without sin. Mm -hmm. All right, so we'll go back and we'll start at uh, verse 5. Uh, if any of you lack wisdom... Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, uh, liberally, which is like, you know, freely, and abradeth not, like taunt not, and uh, it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, uh, driven with the wind and tossed. So when you ask, it's supposed to be in real faith believing the Lord's got this. You can't afford to get thrown around or not, you know, well, I don't know. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Mm -hmm. That's no faith whatsoever. And to prove this, we're going to go to um, Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians 4. But you see, being grounded is the life of a mature Christian. Yep. And that faith is a weapon. And I'll tell you what, I mean, we know what that's all about. Uh, four, and we'll start at the 13th verse. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, let's go to 11. Okay. It says, uh, this is Ephesians 4 and 11. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, these five offices are used to perfect the body of Christ, the right. saints. Right. Then it says in 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, meaning perfect as in mature, mm -hmm. unto uh, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So this is what James is talking about. But then it says in 14, that we henceforth be no more children. Why are we not children? We're now mature, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. So what we understand here is a mature Christian is not going to be deceived. Right. This is what he meant by being blown around. James is talking about because if you're mature, then you're grounded. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Jesus also speaks of that too. Let's go to Matthew 7 real quick. But what are you going to say? And also, if 
someone comes up and it sounds like it's of the Bible, if you're grounded, you're going to know if it's if it's God's word or not. You're not going to just take what they say at face value. You're going to research it. Be like, you know, that sounds like it could be in the scripture, but there's something that just doesn't sound particularly right about it. So I need to research it and I need to find out, like you've said before, I need to talk to my father about this and mm-hmm. see if what you're saying is true. Because that can happen if we're not if you're coming out of a false religion, you can run right into another false religion. Exactly. But a grounded believer is grounded in the word of God. Right. And no one can take them from it. We may have to go through this twice, unless I'll just, you know, quote it later. But let's go to twenty one and he says not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth uh, these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. What is it? Mature and complete and grounded in Christ. Mm -hmm. 26. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Okay, so what we understand here is about the wind itself being the enemy, something that the enemy would use you know, your trials, your tribulation, your afflictions, things that you go through, but you got to stay grounded in faith. So um, we'll actually come back to this because I want to compare this with something else. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to James uh, chapter 1. But the point is, is that you have to be grounded in Christ. Right. And that's the whole thing that James is talking about. That's what Paul talked about. This is what Jesus is talking about. Mm -hmm. All right, um, I'll go back to verse 6, uh, James 1 and 6. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man uh, think that he shall receive anything of the Lord, because he's not right. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, verse 8, he's also a hypocrite. Right. Verse 8. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That double-minded means unsure, means back and forth, right. not being grounded. He's unstable. So you can't be rooted in Christ if half your mind is in the world. Mm-hmm. You're going to choose one or the other. What did Jesus say? That, you know, masters. you can't serve two masters. You will either love one and you'd hate the other. So that's what he's talking about. Um, verse Verse 9. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. Now, why is he exalted? Because the way to God's kingdom is down. And Jesus did nothing different than this. So let's go, uh, hold where you are. Let's go to Philippians 2. We'll start at the sixth verse. 
Let's start at uh, fifth verse. Philippians 2 and 5. And it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So what we understand here is Jesus himself placed himself of no reputation. Mm -hmm. So he came as a servant when he could have just come as the Son of God, just mm -hmm. straight up. But his humility is what made the Father exalt him. He was totally obedient, even unto death, even unto the cross. Okay, so that's what it means in verse 9 when it says, Let the brother of low degree rejoice that he is exalted. Okay, you were going to say something? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if we were to follow Jesus' example to the T, we would have no, and this is something we all work, work towards, we would right. have no pleasures in this life. Because exactly. he had no pleasures in his life. His goal and his mission was to do the will of the Father who had sent him. And that was to go out and to tell everybody about the Father and how they were to come to him. That was his goal. Right. And, you know, and that's what thing we are obtaining to. And if, you know, this is a lot of stuff that's not being taught today, that, oh, you can have all what you want, and it's fine. There's nothing wrong with and no, And I know that this has been said before, there's nothing wrong with having stuff, but it can't become an idol. Exactly. Exactly. You have to have real faith concerning this. I mean, you know, and um, look at verse 10 where it says, But the rich, and that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. Mm -hmm. From the sun is no sooner risen or with the burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth so also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Why? Because the rich man is worldly wise. Mm -hmm. Okay, so where we want to go here is, hold where you are, let's go to Isaiah 40 first, and then we'll go to 1 Peter. Isaiah 40, and we'll start at the fifth verse. And it says, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Uh, the voice said, Cry, and he said, uh, And he said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the godliness thereof uh, is as, What? Oh, all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field, 
The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of God shall stand forever. Mm -hmm. So basically he's talking about setting your affections on high and not below. Paul said the things that are invisible are eternal. The things that are visible are temporary. Okay, so that's what it means by all flesh being grass. But then we'll hit that point again in uh, 1 Peter 1. We'll start at the 24th verse. So this is where you know Peter was quoting it. We'll start at the 23rd verse. 1 Peter uh, 1, 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Peter's talking about, again, setting your affections on high, not being in the things of this world, because there's nothing to it. Right. And they're talking about the flower. It's true. Man can exalt himself as high as he can possibly want. You know, this is why people are humanists. They believe in mankind, man's wisdom, worldly things. But when the Lord blows, you know, his word is going to, you know, be here forever. But all things that are in the world, that are man's stuff, is going to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. So why even put your stock in that? Exactly. Well, I know why a lot of them do, because they don't believe anyways. Yep. All right, we'll go back to James 1, and we'll start at... Uh, uh, verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised uh, to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away in his own lust and enticed. This is why the Lord tells us to crucify the flesh daily. This is why Paul talked about this. This is why we have to forsake the things of this world because people want to say God tempted them or tested them. God doesn't play those games. The Bible makes very clear that you were drawn away by what was still in you, which was part of the world, Mm -hmm. which made your lust entice you to sin. Right. You know, but if that's why Jesus said the ruler of the world comes but he has nothing in me, mm-hmm. you know, and he tells them, um, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. You know, in uh, John sixteen thirty three, he said, because I have overcome the world. Right. I've overcome the world. There's none of the world in me. This is why he fasted for 40 days to crucify his flesh. And the Bible says that the Holy Ghost came upon him without measure. Mm-hmm. So he was full of the Holy Ghost. Yep. All right. Um, 15. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth uh, sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Why? The Bible tells you that the wages of sin is death. You know, now we should go to Romans 6, 23 to prove that. We'll go back. But right now we just want to hit some points to show that 
No one's coming up with their own interpretation. This is all God's word. All the apostles, all those that were students of the Lord, all those that were believers, all quoted the same things. Mm -hmm. They were of the same spirit. Exactly. Uh, Let's start at verse 21. Romans 6 and 21. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants of God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So this is what James is talking about. We can go back. But this is what James was talking about here that I'll read it again. uh, Verse 15, uh, James 1, 15. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, uh, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Now you would ask yourself, well, how can lust bring you into sin? The thing is, is, and I think I heard you talk about this before, yeah, we can't control what thoughts come into our minds, but we can think about, you know, it, it is up to us for how long we want to pay attention to them. Yeah. When you have bad negative thoughts and things like that, mm-hmm. you can say, you know what, I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. And that usually chases it away. Yeah. You know, Lord, forgive me for having those thoughts. Right. But you can put your mind back in the spirit. Some people want to be entertained by the flesh. Yeah. And then they wonder why they get hooked. What does the Bible say? What a man thinketh is he. So if you're thinking something, eventually that becomes you. Mm -hmm. You will commit the act. Mm -hmm. Uh, Verse uh, 16. Do not err, meaning error, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, which is the God, the Father, uh, with whom is no variableness, uh, neither shadow of turning. So, you know, God is stable. You know, he's perfect. There's no change in him. Mm -hmm. There's no turning. There's no work in the dark. You know, shadow of turning. He said, I am the Lord thy God, and I change not. Mm -hmm. 18. Of his own will beget he us uh, with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So you know when he talks about preaching the gospel to every creature, they're talking about us. That we're supposed to go out and do such things. Animal themselves, animals themselves don't know anything about the word of God. So, you right. know, it's not even about them. But it says, be the first fruits. And notice in the beginning of verse 18, of his own will beget he us. Okay, so this beget means he will make us, not make us physically. He already did that. It's the me. point is, is bringing us in, bringing us through, born again, you know, established, mm-hmm. set up. Because a lot of people like to say Jesus was created when you hear the word begat. No, he wasn't brought forth in that manner. He was brought forth to do a work in the Father. But he has always he always existed with the Father. Right. And remember, in Colossians 1.15, they talked about the first fruits. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, I'm just going to prove that too because I don't want to confuse anyone. So Colossians 1.15. And it says... Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, 
whether they be thrones, dominions, or principalities, or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things uh, he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say whether they be of things in earth or things in heaven. So, you know, they're talking about here being like the first fruits, the first to do things. Jesus was the first of his kind in this sense of, one, coming into the earth, you know, making himself as a man, uh -huh. you know, uh, being born of a virgin, and then coming forth, mm -hmm. you know, coming forward and being resurrected. So this is what they mean by the first fruits, first of his kind, meaning that there will be others such as us that will follow. Mm -hmm. So we have to do the things that Jesus do. Right. So begat doesn't mean made in that sense like created. It means being, being called forth, brought forth. When you're born again, you're brought forth to do the work of God. Right. Before then, you don't know what his will is. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. It's funny how they talk about being slow to speak because, you know, there's also a penalty for that in some things. Let's go to Romans 14 real quick. All right, Romans 14, um, 11. I think I'll go there. Romans 14, 11. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, every one of us uh, shall give account uh, of himself to God. Okay, now that's one of them. I meant to go to another one. So um, let's go to uh, Matthew 12 and 36. One thing about us, we love to talk about something, mm -hmm. you know, and we should be slower to speak. That's true. Okay, let's start at 35. No, let's start at 34. Okay. Let's see. Matter of fact, let's start at 33. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Either make the tree good of his uh, fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt, and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words 
uh, shalt they, uh, thou shalt be justified, and by thy words shalt uh, thou shalt be condemned. So what we understand here is you want to watch what you say, mm -hmm. you know, and that's why it says be slow to speak, you know, but quick to listen, because you don't want to say something that you're not sure of. If you say something, you better be right, and it better be godly. Mm -hmm. You can't just speak freely and think that you're not going to give an account for that's it. True. Okay, 20. For the wrath of God worketh not the righteousness of um, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. This is, um, you know, James 1, uh, verse 20. Now we're going to 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls, being I mean, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You know, it's, it's just so funny how a lot of people contend with this because they read um, Ephesians 2, you know, not of works, lest any man should boast. And some people think it just stops there with just straight faith. But he's saying here in verse 22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You know, so people will be deceived by the simple fact that they feel, well, you know, uh, Ephesians 2.8 says that, you know, we're saved by grace. You are. And of faith, not of works. But look what he says in 23. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man, beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Mm -hmm. So this is none other than being born again and being led by the Spirit of God. Jesus just said the same thing. Behold, a wise man will hearken unto the words of God. Remember he said in Matthew 7, a wise man will do these things. He will follow God's word, do it, be grounded in the faith. When the winds blew, you were on that rock, which is Christ, and you will stand. But he says, if you don't, that you will fall. When the winds and everything come, you will fall apart. Why? You're not doing God's word. You're not grounded in the faith, you know, and you are deceived into thinking you don't have to. This is 90% of the church today. Go ahead. And like also what you read in Matthew 12 about a good tree bringing forth good fruit. Right. Well, okay, so yeah, it's not works to salvation, but after you are saved, there is a work that has to be done. It's not that the Lord is demanding or making you work, but you're going to want to go forward and you're going to want to do what his will is. And that is a work. It That's is, right. is It is laboring, you know, uh, to do the will of the Lord, to do the will of the Father, you know. Um, so it's not, and that's where a lot of people said that the book of James should not have been in the Bible because they said, well, he pre he's talking about works. No, it's not works for salvation. Well, it's the, a lot of people put the cart before the horse, right. but it's not even about that, you know. Of course, it is faith uh -huh. that brings people into salvation. Right. Keeping the faith, having faith. 
But if you've got faith, now that we've established that, you're going to do the will of God, just right. like the Bible says. Exactly. And Jesus said it more than, you know, quite a few times. Mm -hmm. All right, so um, we're going to go back to 25, uh, James 1, 25, and it says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continue with therein, so you look into the perfect law of liberty. Mm -hmm. What's the perfect law of liberty? The law of the Spirit. Absolutely. Okay, and then it says, And continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man uh, shall be blessed in his deed. Forgetful hearer. This is the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. What did one? He heard the word with joy. But because he wasn't grounded or rooted, the devil came and took the word away. Right. Because they're natural minded. They're not in the spirit. But right now we're going to go to John 3 to break down uh, James one twenty five. We always end up in John 3. <laughs> it's so powerful. You know, John 3, we'll start at the first verse. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Baptism by water, baptism by fire, born again. Then he says, that in verse 6, That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. But canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. So that tells you straight out, when it says in verse 8, The wind bloweth where it listeth. And thou hearest the sound thereof. This is yielding to the sound of the Spirit. But canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Meaning that you're not going to be restricted to a building. You're not going to be restricted to a ministry. You're not going to be res restricted to this and that. You're following the Spirit of God. What does the Bible say? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's liberty. So this is what they're talking about in James. We can go back now, but it says, I'll read it again, verse 1 and 25. Go ahead. I just got one quick point. Um, something I, I never picked up on, and I could be wrong, when it's John 3, verse 8, uh, about the wind. Mm -hmm. well, you can feel it, and you can see it in the trees, but you can't see the wind itself. Right. It takes, you have to have faith that the wind is actually blowing. Right. So you have to have faith in the Spirit. Exactly. And that's why we go to James 1 and 25. It says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, 
this man shall be blessed in his deed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you look at the law of liberty, it's also speaking of what Paul was talking about, following the law of the spirit. Mm -hmm. And some people think, well, okay, this is the law of life and peace. You know, the law of liberty, it's not talking about Moses' law. Mm -hmm. This is the freedom to do the good will of, law, of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now that we made that point, let's go to verse 26. James 1 and 26. If any man among you seem to be religious and brideth and breadleth not his tongue, I guess breadleth not his mm -hmm. tongue, he deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain. So, you know, he doesn't keep his tongue. He doesn't watch what he says. He just blurts out stuff, you know, just randomly. Right. You know, deceived his own heart that he's talking right. They said, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself spotted uh, from the world unspotted from the world so the thing is is that he's talking about again the liberty of the lord he's also talking about what he told them in matthew 22 mm -hmm. on these two things you got to love the lord your god with all your heart mind and soul love your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets mm -hmm. so this is talking about loving thy neighbor as thyself but you're also following the will of the Lord. Right. So this is the pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father. Mm -hmm. Not taking penitence and pastor appreciation day and... And all the other stuff, exactly. <laughs> right. You know, it's just like, no, that's not what it's about. So we'll go on to uh, James chapter 2, verse 1. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ... Uh, the Lord of glory with respect of persons. So if we believe we cannot be respecters of persons. Mm -hmm. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him uh, that weareth the gay clothing, meaning good, you know, nice clothing, mm -hmm. and say unto him, Sit thou there, in a good place and say to the poor stand thou there or sit here under my footstool are ye not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts see isn't it funny how jesus came of no reputation like that because this was the very spirit that he was trying to get rid of mm -hmm. you know why come and looking in majesty and power and glory it'd be easy to pay attention to you then but Isaiah 53 says that he, he was, there was no comeliness about him. Right. There was nothing in the Lord to be desired. Mm -hmm. You know, so he wasn't attractive right. by any means. He probably wasn't even a great orator. They said he spoke with, um, he spoke with um, authority. But, you know, there was probably nothing there that would just be alluring that you would just, man, you hear the way he's speaking. You know, he was probably your average person. But he carried the truth and the wisdom of God right. because he was God in the flesh. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, verse 5. Hearken, my uh, beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? 
Now, this is true. He talked about how, you know, they called Peter the disciples, ignorant and unlearned men. He never went after anybody rich. I mean, the closest you could say he went to someone that had some status, might have been Matthew, the tax collector, you know, that worked for the government, the Roman Empire, you can say at that point. He might have been the only one. But the thing is, is that the Lord always chose those of little reputation so his glory could be shown through them, mm -hmm. that the Lord can take something from nothing and make it something. What do you got? Matthew 5. Good. Uh, verse... Three, uh, Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's right. Blessed are they that, that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That's right. And that's even in um, Psalm 37. Mm -hmm. You know, so the Lord's, the way to his kingdom is always down. We should not be respecters of persons although most church people are. Right. You see people show up to church, what do they do? Make fun of the way a person is dressed. Oh, yeah. Uh, look at his clothes. He's got the nerve to not come in here with a suit. Mm -hmm. Well, who says that you have to wear a suit to church? You know, but that's that religious, self-righteous attitude of the Pharisees. I know there was one church, a couple of churches that I went to when I was younger, and it seemed like all the people who had been there for years sat up front, and mm -hmm. all the people that were or probably homeless or whatever sat in the very back because they didn't feel like they had earned their way into the church. Exactly. So this is why he goes after the poor man, but I'm going to make this point real quick too. Let's go to Matthew 22. We'll start at verse 35. I just want to drive that point home so people have an understanding of what it means by the law of liberty, the Lord's law, mm -hmm. not ours or not the law of Moses. Uh, verse uh, Matthew uh, 22:35. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, "Master, which is the great commandment of the law?" Jesus said unto him, "Thou shalt love thy, the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it: Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself." On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So if you're not keeping these, you're not keeping God's law. It's right. that simple. Mm -hmm. These two commandments even cancel out the Ten Commandments because if you've got both of these, that is the Ten. You right. complete the Ten. But also an interesting point in 37, he says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, you know, meaning seeking him in truth, and with all thy soul. That's your mind, will, and emotions. Mm -hmm. So your mind, will, and your emotions should be pointed towards God. And this is why Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. He that don't do the will of my Father shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So Christians better stop playing around if they're Christians and start doing the things that the Lord tells us to do. That's right. Because people are thinking that you just got to sit in church. It's not even about that. Mm -hmm. It's about being the lively stones like Peter talked about being active in the body of Christ. Right. And if you're not doing the Lord's will, you're sitting up there in church wasting your time. Yep. So I want to go back now. Uh, James, uh, I believe we're at verse five. verse 5. Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, uh, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. 
Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seat? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, you know, it's just funny how we could be considered poor or middle class or whatever. But it's so funny how we won't give a homeless person a nickel. We won't invite them into our homes. We won't feed them. We won't give them anything. You know, we're treating them how the rich people treat us. Mm -hmm. But somehow that's righteous. That makes no sense. Uh -uh. If anything, you should care for him because you recognize that this world is oppressive under the kingdom of Satan. Right. But that's that self-righteous attitude like our father Adam. We got to get out of that and be focused on Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. his mind. And this is why we need sanctification. You know, the old man has to be put off. The way that the old man thinks is foreign to God. Well, and it's also, you know, you've said before that there's nothing wrong with being a doctor or something like that, but it's to lead people to Christ. Never buy in. Exactly. You know, recognize that it's God's will be done. Mm -hmm. Verse 6, but ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats. Do not they blaspheme uh, that worthy name by the which ye are called. And it's true. I mean, these, these rich people are setting up institutions because, you know, everything against Christ. Mm -hmm. So how is this man respected when he's a top servant in Satan's kingdom? Mm -hmm. You know, if anything, he should be standing outside waiting, yeah. you know, doing nothing. But we all have this attitude towards the rich and the wealthy that these people are the elect. Mm -hmm. When really, they're not even worth the dust it took to make them unless the Lord changes them. That's true. <laughs> You know, so these people blaspheme God. So why are they getting the respect? This is something Christians need to recognize. Yep. Uh, verse 8. If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respective persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law of transgressors. Now it sounds like he's saying something twice here. Sin means to miss the mark. Right. Means like, man, you just jumped off course. Mm -hmm. You know, the transgressor is like a, a rebel, someone that knows the truth, but still decides to go over. Right. OK, so a transgressor is probably worse than iniquity and sin. Mm -hmm. uh, Ten, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, do not commit adultery. Uh, said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. Now, this I understand perfectly well because I'm not for homosexuality by any means. Okay, I'm against it because the word of God is against it. The word tells you that it's wrong. God says it's an abomination. Mm -hmm. But how can we tell them what they do is an abomination and we're living in sin too. Mm -hmm. So God is no respecter of persons. If you're going to bring the word, then bring it righteously. If not, then you're religious. Mm -hmm. But you can't sit there and tell somebody what they're doing is wrong and you're shacking up with your boyfriend or girlfriend living the exact same way. Exactly. Sin is sin. Exactly. And I'm not defending the homosexual by any means. No. But it's a fact of the matter is, is that we have to be right ourselves exactly. than to tell someone else something. Mm -hmm. so that's what the Lord means by, you know, if you're guilty of one, 
Oh, they'll be, God said that it's an abomination. Yeah, well, God also said lying is wrong. God also said fornicating and doing other things are wrong. Mm -hmm. What about that? Mm -hmm. So you only follow part of his law because it, apply, it doesn't apply to you. No, you're just as bad as him. Exactly. Don't you know y'all the same person? And that's the whole point. Uh, 12. So speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. There is the law of the spirit. The law of the Spirit also, you know, gives you two things. Gives you grace and mercy. Mm -hmm. You know, grace is getting something that you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Mm -hmm. You know, so these are the things that we're governed by the law of the Spirit. The law of liberty giving us a chance to make it right. Yep. Uh, verse 13. For he shall uh, have judgment without mercy that hath shewed no mercy. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. You know, because mercy will. Like if you're a merciful person, man, you know the Lord will be merciful on you. That's that's guaranteed. But if you want to show people, no, it's got to be this way. You're wrong. This is how it needs to be. No, no, he needs to be condemned. <laughs> you know, then you're going to get the same thing. And I think the Lord even shows mercy on those people in the beginning if they're a novice. Like right. when they first come to the Lord, all of a sudden they say, "The Lord, look at you, and mm -hmm. judge." You know, because they don't really know anything. However, that being said, mm -hmm. if you are over the time still coming to the Lord and you still do that, then it's different because it's not like you don't know anymore. Because I even did that when I first came back to Christ. You know, I was very like, "No, you can't do this. No, no, you can't have a drink of alcohol because." I know how it affected me. And if you have a drink, you're going straight into the pits of hell. You know, that's how I was because, you know, I... Yeah, you became religious. You were still religious. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's the thing that Jesus hated was the religious people. So, right. yeah, we have to know. And see, all it would take is for the Lord to play our tape. Mm -hmm. We're so interested in what people are doing right now and condemning them. But all the Lord would have to do is, man, pop in his tape. Yeah. Let's see what you were like before. Let's see how long it took you to get to this point. Exactly. Let's see what you're still doing that you're not doing right. Yeah. Let's check this out. Mm -hmm. So we can't afford to point the finger at anybody. That's why the Bible says, He that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judge of no man. Right. He that is led by the Spirit can judge any situation. Why? He's not living in sin. Exactly. He's not living ungodly. He's yielding to the Spirit of the Lord. Mm -hmm. So what he says, he can say without hypocrisy. Exactly. Uh, let's see. Uh, verse 14. What doth it profit, uh, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked or destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them uh, not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Exactly. You want to be a religious person telling everybody what they need. Right. I mean, you see it all the time. Brother, I'll pray for you. I don't need your prayer. Give me that 50 bucks that's in your pocket, you know, out of your 3,000 that you have in a roll. Yeah. Why don't you give him that so he can stay in a hotel room? Why don't you buy him a jacket? Mm. Matter of fact, why don't you give him yours? You've got the money. But this is the type of faith that the church doesn't walk in today. Right. People don't care. 
They'll try and be godly. You want to be godly? Help me out. You know, don't just pray for me. Mm -hmm. So this is what the Lord, this is what uh, James is saying. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, what does it profit? You want to be godly. The person's still walking around hungry. Barefoot. And you've got the money. Exactly. Uh, 17. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Shew me thy faith without my without thy works. I will shew thee my faith by my works. It's like if you believe, you'll do. Yeah. You won't do anything in this world unless you believe it. Right. And that in, that includes everything, even concerning the word of God, even forsaken sin, even whatever it is. If you really believe that God's word is real, you will obey it. Yep. So it says, you know, I'll show you my faith by my works. Exactly. Now, for, now faith itself is not going to win you faith. I mean, it's not going to win you salvation. Faith alone. Mm -hmm. But then neither will works. So, right. I mean, it all. you have to be in this area in the middle of the road. Mm -hmm. One is the faith. You believe. You believe, you will do. You'll be led by the Spirit to do. Right. But if you don't have works and you claim that you're a man of faith, you're lying. Mm -hmm. And it's that simple. You got faith in your mouth, but not in your actions. Yeah. 19. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works uh, was faith made perfect. So it all begins in the works. Mm -hmm. I mean, it all begins in the faith, and then the works follow. But then it says in verse 23, And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. And then it says, uh, ye see that uh, how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. So, you know, as a matter of fact, we need to hit on a topic. Let's go to Hebrews 11 real quick. We'll start at the first verse. Because, again, I always say faith is that thing, that rifle that's on the wall. If you've never fired it, you don't know the power of it. Right. But faith is a rifle, man, that will not miss his mark. So it's Hebrews 11, we'll start at verse uh, 1. This is called the Hall of Faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So basically you have to believe. Right. It's that simple. There is nothing about using faith that will that, that is um, carnally minded. It's all spiritual. You don't see the evidence. You don't even know what's going to come of it. But you believe because you've heard. And that's all it takes to produce the fruit of faith. They also use that word hope again. Exactly. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, it is the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the, world, that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Because, you know, there's a greater reality outside of the physical realm. Mm -hmm. 
this is the beginning of faith is understanding that there's a realm outside of your five, your five carnal senses. Exactly. Uh, four, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, uh, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. But before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So what we understand here is we can turn back, but it's all about it's impossible to please God without it. Right. So we have to exercise faith. And the closer you get to the Lord, the carnal thinking will start to go away. Because the Lord will reveal more unto you. Deep calleth unto deep. You know, you can't be a natural-minded person and try and understand the things of the Spirit. First mm -hmm. Corinthians 1, uh, 2 uh, talks about that. So we have to be spiritually minded. And the only way is the washing of the Word of the water by the word being ye transformed in our minds into what Jesus Christ wants and understanding and faith and your faith will grow the closer you get to God your faith will never remain the same every year or every month or every situation your faith should get stronger in God why because he's proven himself too many times and unless you're firing faith you will be like that double-minded man in James 1 that will receive nothing from God because he's unstable in all his ways. He's blown about. You know, he's not grounded, not rooted in the work. Well, so, the, the work is also the will of God. Mm -hmm. Because all the prophets, all the apostles, all the disciples, and the disciples' disciples all did the will of God. You right. know, the will of the Father, the will of Jesus Christ. That is the work. It's exactly. doing the will that, you know... If you commune, if you hit, if you hear from the Lord, let's say you go out somewhere one day and you're grocery shopping, mm -hmm. and there's someone standing right next to you, and all of a sudden the Lord tells you, "Hey, I want you to witness to that person. I want you to invite them to Bible study." Mm -hmm. That's doing the work because exactly. you hear from Him. Exactly. You know, and you're bringing them to the truth that they may seek a relationship for themselves. Right. Not to just be a part of this ministry, but to do the Lord's will. Exactly. I don't care if anyone never joins the ministry. The point is, is do you know God? Mm -hmm. Have you entered into a relationship with him to get to know him? Yep, exactly. That's what's most important. Mm -hmm. So we'll go uh, James 2 and 24. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out of another way. Now, you know, one thing we understand here, um, well, matter of fact, let's go to Joshua 2 real quick. We'll read up on Rahab because a lot of people may not understand where she is and what she did. So Joshua 2, and we'll start at the first verse. All right, Joshua 2 and 1. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out to Chittim, which is like Chittim, uh, two men uh, to spy secretly, saying, 
Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the kings of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither uh, tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. So these are the spies that, you know, Joshua saying he did the same thing Moses did to check out the land and see what's what. You know that the cities of Jericho, the walls were great and very big. Mm -hmm. Jericho was also the place of the Amorites and other giant groups that lived in that area. So, you know, Rahab herself uh, was one of those that heard the truth, but I'll continue. Okay, um, verse 3. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come in, that are come to thee, uh, which are entered into thine house, for they become uh, to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wish not whence they were. So she lied. And it came to pass about the time of uh, shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men uh, went, uh, I wot not. Uh, pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house, and hid them with the stalks uh, of flax, which she had laid uh, in under under upon the roof, and the men pursued after them the way to Jordan, uh, unto the unto the fort. Um, and as soon as they um, which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate, and before they were laid down, uh, she came unto them upon the roof. And she said unto them, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you for you uh, when he came when ye came out of Egypt, and what he did unto the two kings of the Amorites and uh, were on the other side of uh, Jordan, Shehan and Og, they were two kings of the giants, um, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard uh, these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain uh, any more courage in any man, because of you, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Uh, now, therefore, I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have shewed you kindness, that ye will also uh, shew kindness unto my father's house, and give me a true token. So, what we understand here about Rahab is that she believed God. She heard of the stories of God, and that was her faith, you know, because she had understood that the children of Israel were unbeatable at that point. Mm -hmm. They wiped out Og. They wiped out, you know, the other giants. They took them out. So Jericho was like one of the last places standing before they took care, you know, got into the promise. Right. But the thing is, is that, one, her faith came in hearing. What does the Bible says? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Mm -hmm. So she heard what the children of Israel did and obeyed. Now the obedience part in hiding the men 
for her own salvation, helping them out, was her uh, works. Yeah. Okay, so first came her faith because she heard, and then the works came, hey, I'm going to help these guys out. Why? Because she believed that the God of the Israelites was the real and true God. Right, exactly. Okay. So we can go back to... Um, uh, James 2, verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So that ought to tell you that if you're a faith, a person of faith, then you should have good works. It's right. that simple. Mm -hmm. But not you in your own effort yielding to the spirit of the Lord. Why? You have a heart of God. Mm -hmm. Why? You obey the law of liberty. Loving your Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul and loving your neighbor as yourself. Yep. All right, so from here we'll go to chapter 3, James 3 and 1. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that uh, we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, uh, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle his whole body. To bridle, bridle his whole body and then it says like in other words you have complete control right if you're really a good and perfect man you have control over yourself uh verse three behold we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us and we turn about their whole body behold also the ships which thought uh, they be so great and are driven of fierce winds yet are they turned about with a very small helm uh, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter of, I mean, a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is uh, the tongue uh, among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. So, you know, the tongue is an unruly member, uncontrollable member, does what it wants to do. This is why people try and tell me, well, if I'm a Christian, I can be a Christian and I can curse. You know, the word profanity means that which makes a temple dirty. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if your members are not yield or your tongue isn't controlled to that sense, then you have a dirty inside that's coming out of you. Yep. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. So you can claim to be a Christian and curse. Yeah, you may slip up one day and say one, but the, and you ask the Lord to forgive you. But the fact of the matter is, you can't be a Christian and have a filthy mouth at the end of time because right. the word profane comes from the word profanity. Well, profanity comes from the word profane, which means that which makes a temple dirty. Yep. So eventually you have to have control over this unruly member, which is your tongue. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's see, uh, verse 7. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. So every beast of the field, whether it's an elephant, whether it's whatever, man has been able to tame. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil uh, full of deadly poison. Mm -hmm. Therewith God we bless I mean, therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, uh, which are made after the similitude of God. 
out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be, ought not so to be. So in other words, we have to get a grip on our tongues, not just for blessing and cursing. You know, it could be for talking about people, right. slandering, you know, lying, all these things that, you know, the tongue can't afford to run free mm -hmm. because it will defile you. Yeah. yeah, the rest of your members might be doing right. You know, you're going in, you're going there, you're looking out for the homeless, you're doing this and that. But if your tongue is dirty, then regardless of what, you've got more work to do. Yeah. You have to be sanctified in that area till you speak like Christ. Yeah. Because exactly. you think like Christ. <laughs> All right. Um, 11. Doth a, doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and better? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no mountain both yield salt water and fresh. So he's saying you got to be one or the other. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. Can't be the old man and the new man. You're going to put off one and you're going to have the other. Right. Uh, 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him shoot out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Good conversation of works. Good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom, the wisdom of God, the works of the Spirit, and good conversation, period. 14. But if ye have bitter envyings and strife uh, in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. Uh, where, I mean, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. So what we understand here is regardless of what we do, there is the bitterness. If you're bitter, if you're envying, if there's strife in your hearts, you know, glory not and lie not against the truth. If you're a liar, then you've got work to do. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. There's parts of us that need to be improved. Mm -hmm. Verse 15, this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthy. So God doesn't speak like this. Right. God doesn't talk or act this way. Right. It's sensual, meaning, you know, natural, your five senses, and devilish. Yep. You know, what does the Bible say in John 8? Ye are of your father the devil, and of his lust ye will do. Mm -hmm. He was a murderer from the beginning. You know, he is, the, he is a liar and the father of it. Yep. It's that simple. Uh, verse 16. Uh, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, uh, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So we've got to be clean through and through. Mm -hmm. You can't say one thing and then do another. You have to be righteous. Right. Now, can this be easily conquered? No. But the fact of the matter is, this is what the sanctification process is for. Mm -hmm. You want the Holy Ghost to take over, take control over more things in your life. So that way you won't be held down with the things that we do. It's yeah. that simple. You know, it's yielding to the spirit, forsaking the flesh. Mm -hmm. Verse 18. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. 
All right, so you want to add anything or not? Or? Yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as like the envying and strife goes, um, you know, just as an example, because you can be witnessing to somebody and you could even have a group setting and if someone is not believing the same even though you're preaching and or teaching the, the truth from the scripture mm -hmm. but because they want to live in their certain traditions and you know we have to be wary of that because there might be others in your group or in the group that don't really understand and they want to seek the truth but if there's them being in strife there it brings about argument it brings about debate and then now, the person that wants to come to Christ is even more confused than in the beginning. Exactly. Exactly. And that's been an experience in, in times past. But it's something that we need to recognize to get out of religion uh -huh. and be on one accord with the Lord. Right. Uh, let's go to 1 John 4 real quick. Verse 19. Okay, it says, For we love him because he first loved us. If any man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he uh, hath seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that uh, he who loveth God love his brother also. So that also adds to what we were just reading in four. Mm -hmm. So I just thought that was good to go over. And now we'll go to chapter four. We'll start at verse one. Beloved. Oh, oops. Wrong spot. <laughs> Got to go back. Yeah, beloved. You know, you hear John. <laughs> Let's go back to uh, James chapter four. about to take another turn James 4 verse 1 from whence come wars and fighting among you come they not hence even uh, of the lust that war in your members ye lust and and have not ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain ye fight and war yet ye have not because ye ask not Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, uh, ye may consume uh, it upon your lust. So in other words, he's talking about, you know, that amiss means you ask wrongly. Mm -hmm. You do things wrongly, and then you wonder why some of your prayers are not answered. Mm -hmm. But this is the war that we're having with the flesh while we're in the spirit. Right. This is why, let's go to Colossians uh, 3 real quick. We'll start at the first verse. It also sounds like what uh, Paul said in, in Romans 7. Mm -hmm. About, uh, what was it, warring against your members? Yep. And this is what Colossians 3 says. You there? 3-7? No, Colossians 3-1. Oh, okay. Oh. Go ahead. And it says, If ye then be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, is, when Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. 
verse 5. Mortify therefore your members which are uh, upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and uh, covetousness, which is idolatry, which, I mean, for which things uh, sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. So you don't want to be a child of disobedience, uh -huh. but the, the word is telling you there, mortify your members. What does that mean? Die with your cross daily. Mm -hmm. Forsake the flesh. You know, you got to kill this body. Yep. You know, not physically, spiritually, to the point to where you're spiritually minded, you're not affected by the flesh. Mm -hmm. So they're warring in the members that James talks about, but Colossians 3 talks about mortifying your members, right. destroying that part of you, right. getting rid of the old man so that the new man can live in you. Exactly. And then there is no war. Verse 4. Ye adulterers, oh, well, this is James 4 and 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. When we came out of the world, we had to forsake a lot of stuff. But see, while we were in the world, the pretty picture is, oh, you know, you were in the world doing whatever and you found Jesus. No. You were one of Satan's trusted and loyal soldiers. You were in the fight with Satan going against the word of God. Right. It's that simple. Yeah. And we were turned around and brought towards the Lord. Verse 5. Do ye think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, but he giveth more, more grace? Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, and gives grace unto the humble. Mm -hmm. Now you know that that's a proverb. Let's go to um, Proverbs 3 real quick to prove that. So these guys were well versed in the Old Testament. Oh yeah. That's why I can't throw it away like other people want me to. Sorry. Mm -mm. Proverbs 3, and we'll start at verse 34. Proverbs 3 and 34. Um, okay, 3 and 34. Well, let's go to 33. The uh, curse of the Lord uh, is in the house of the wicked, but he blesseth the inhabit—I mean, the habitation of the just. Surely he scorneth the scorners, but he gives grace unto the lowly. And wise shall inherit glory. I mean, the wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the promotion of fools. So he's talking about here in verse 34. Surely he scorneth the scorners, but he gives grace unto the lowly. Mm -hmm. So it's the same type of thing about being humble, you know, being meek, and they'll inherit the kingdom of, earth, of God. Right. Okay, so from here, let's keep going. And we're back at James 4 and 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We talked about that earlier. Mm -hmm. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, uh, ye sinners, and purify your hearts. 
he double-minded. He's talking about the uncertain, the hypocrite, you know, choosing one side and staying on it. Right. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned uh, to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. You know, and we just went over that. Uh, verse 11. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that, he that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. Well, we just went over all of this. Mm -hmm. uh, verse 12. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Uh, who art thou that judgeth another? So who are you to judge another? And we only got one lawgiver here. Jesus you just make sure you say or stay on the side of the law of liberty. Right. Following the Lord. 13. Go to now, uh, ye that say, uh, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there in a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your uh, life? Uh, it is even a vapor and appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. So in other words, you're not supposed to live worldly. Where it goes back to uh, 13, um, go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. So he's talking about worldly stuff here. Mm -hmm. You're talking about doing all of this, but the word is saying in 14, whereas ye know not what shall be on tomorrow. Well, in other words, he's actually talking about going in and getting souls, you know, and things like that. But then it says, whereas ye know not what shall be on tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. So you can't afford to play around here. Right. You know, you don't have much time. Right. Life is shorter than you can possibly imagine. Right. So our work should be fake. Our time should be focused on the Lord's will and making our calling and election sure. Right. And the only reason why we are not, we are still here every day is because the Lord has allowed it to be. Exactly. And this is why it says in 15, For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, uh, we shall live, and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. You see? Mm -hmm. Boasting and living worldly. Mm -hmm. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him is a sin, because you should be doing the Lord's will. Exactly. So I guess it does talk about, as far as the cities are concerned, living worldly. But if your life is just a vapor, you need to be focused on God's will. So I was right the first time when I mentioned about the city, mm -hmm. the worldly living, going here, I'm going to stay for a year. You have people talk about their retirement before they even know the Lord. Oh, it's going to be planned out. We're going to retire here. We're going to have this. Man, you better forget all of that. Because right. your place is going to constantly be on the move doing the Lord's will. Yep. Forget about the here and now. Do the Lord's will. Yep, that's true. All right, so from here we'll go to chapter 5. Um, I guess we'll go to the first verse. Chapter 5 and 1, James chapter 5. 
Uh, go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries uh, that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered and the rust of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. And see, this is why I ain't so big on, you know, prepping and all this other stuff people are telling you to do because you're talking about saving up your treasures for the last days. You better hope you're on the right side of Jesus Christ in the last days. You can be smart, but your biggest investment you can do is God's will. Knowing Jesus and doing the will of the Lord. That is your surest sign of, um, you know, that's your insurance. Well, what about the fact that, you know, you save up all this stuff and then an angel comes to you and says, leave it all behind. I'll take, you know, the Lord's going to take care of you. Let's go. Mm -hmm. You know, what's the point of buying all the gold? What's the point of having all that food? And it's not to say that you can't use it. Maybe the Lord, maybe the angel will tell you to take some of it, mm -hmm. but it's not going to be the gold. It's going to be of what's necessity. But the thing is, is that building all that stuff up and then having to leave it all behind yeah, and I mean, what you have, another man will take. It's only going to make your enemy want it from you. Right. That's why we got to focus on the Lord. And also, Jesus dealt with the same parable. Well, not a parable. He was talking to a man that he told to sell everything, and the man walked away sad. Then there was another man trying to store stuff in a barn, remember? Mm -hmm. yeah. And Jesus said, ye fool, you not even know. Your soul is required in hell tonight. Exactly. So you're saving all of that for what? Mm-hmm. Verse 4, Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, uh, which is of you kept back by fraud, crying and cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord uh, of Sabaoth, or Sabaoth, Sabaoth. That means uh, pretty much the Lord of Israel. Mm -hmm. So they're saying that these rich or these people that have done them wrong in the earth, the children of disobedience that the Lord is pretty much saying, you know, they kept back the Lord's, um, you know, the abundance by fraud, mm -hmm. you know, illegally. But then the cries of the people went up to heaven. That's why the Bible says when the riches, when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. Right. You know, so it's saying that they've cried up into heaven. The cries have gone up. Right. You know, we've heard that too many times. Mm -hmm. Verse five, ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanted, uh, ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed uh, the just, and he doth not resist you. Like God didn't even stop them for what they were doing. Why? Giving them a chance to repent and turn around. Mm -hmm. uh, verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth. And have long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. Now, you know, this is what the Lord is talking about. But he's also speaking of the children of Israel here. Right. Because what the world had done to them. Mm -hmm. But it's also, you can say, the church too. Because the church themselves, you know, uh, will be suffering. Mm -hmm. At least the real church will. Right. You know, until he receives the early of the latter. That's that pouring out of the Spirit. You know, that second dose of verse 8. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, 
lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord, for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. So the children of Israel, the Lord is saying, you know, hey, don't worry about it. They're going to be reestablished. God had not forgotten his people. But this can also be spoken of the church, not in place of the children of Israel. Right. But the church itself had been forsaken. If they're brethren to the children of Israel, you know, by adoption. Well, let's see. Affliction 11. Mm -hmm. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the mercy, I mean, that that the Lord is very pitiful, like full of pity, mm -hmm. and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay, uh, lest it fall into condemnation. So in other words, you know, yes or no. We're not supposed to be telling people things that we're not supposed to do, that we're not going to do. It brings strife. Right. You know, you're either for it or you're against it. There's no playing in between. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, I'll do it. You know, yeah, I got it. And then you don't do it. You let it be, let your conversations be yay or nay. Mm -hmm. Yes, I can. No, I can't. Yes, I'm for it. Yes, I'm against it. You know, but there can't be any between. Yep. All right. Uh, uh, verse 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. No, not today. You go to the hospital. And the hospital will take care of you. Right. See, this is real faith. This is how the body of church should be operating. Exactly. Uh, verse 15. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall uh, raise him up. And if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray for one another and ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So it's important. A righteous man's prayer that God, pay, God pays attention to quick, mm -hmm. you know, because he's of something. Confessing your faults, you know, the Catholic Church likes to put in, um, you know, yeah, your sins, but faults can be sins. But the difference is it's saying confess them one to another. It's not saying ask for repentance. All right, I'll ask another man for forgiveness. This is where the Catholic Church messes it up. Now, faults themselves can be shortcomings, which can be sins, missing the mark. That's not really the problem. But it says confess your faults one to another. Okay, it didn't say go to the priest. It didn't say confess them. Make sure you confess them to your local pastor or minister. It's saying confess. Hey, I got a problem with fornication. Can you help me? Mm -hmm. Can you pray for me? That's all it's saying. It ain't, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. He ain't got the right to forgive any sins. And you sure enough can't pay for them. You got to go to Jesus Christ. Go ahead. And there's a, a couple other Bible versions that actually uses the word sins here instead of faults. They do. But the thing is, is that I was looking at that myself. Confess your faults one to another. You can say confess your sins. 
Hey, man, I stole that from you. I'm sorry. That doesn't make, that's not bad for doing that. You can ask someone to forgive you, but you don't ask someone to forgive you of the sin. You know, God forgives sins. You go to the Lord for them. So I'm not talking the Catholic Church. They don't confess their sins. They ask for forgiveness of sins. Mm -hmm. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. That's what they do. Right. And you're not supposed to be calling any man your father anyways. Right. You know, but it's just saying, like, confess your sins one to another. Man, I'm weak in this area. Can you pray for me? Mm -hmm. That's what we should be doing. But bless me, Father, for I have sinned. You don't owe him anything. Right. And you can't pay for sins. That's what you call penitence instead of repenting before God and coming forward, you know, and going right from that point on. So I get it about, you know, confess your faults. I'm sure the word there is fault, that that is accurate. Mm -hmm. But, you know, sins is more like, I guess, thrown on one thing. So it is a mistranslation by the other Bible versions, not the King James but even if you look up faults, it does say like some type of sin. Mm -hmm. You can look that up. But again, you're not asking to be forgiven. Right. You're just confessing them so others can pray for you. That's the difference between what this is saying and what the Catholic Church does. Right. All right. So the prayer of the righteous availeth much. Verse 17. Elijah uh, was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not. And on, I mean, on the earth, uh, by the space of three years and six months. Now you know that that happened in First Kings seventeen and First Kings eighteen. First Kings seventeen, Elijah prayed. Matter of fact, let's just go there real quick. Right, so it's not against, you know, confessing or anything like that. You can confess and tell somebody what you've done, but you don't ask for forgiveness on that. The right, Lord like forgives if you, that. If you want to, and, and I guess this is where people have to be careful with the, with the translation difference, because what is that verse where he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins? Right. So they can't, there can't be a confusion with that, but you're right as far as like, Hey, you know, I'm having trouble in this area. Can you pray that I right. receive help? Right. Not praying to that person, hey, I need to ask for your forgiveness. Or, or you, mm -hmm. you know, can you forgive? You Like you said, the Lord's the only one that can forgive. And David said, against thee, thee the only, only have I sinned. Right. But there's nothing wrong with asking somebody to forgive you for you wronging them. Yeah, yeah, Not yeah, going exactly. to it. See, that's what yeah. the other church, the other thing that the Catholic Church right. does wrong. They bring their stuff to somebody that had nothing to do with the situation. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the other problem. Now, if I were to come to you, if I'd done you wrong, hey, can you forgive me? You know, I did this. Right. You ask the Lord to forgive you, the Lord will direct you to that person. Ask them to forgive you. Mm -hmm. But you can ask the Lord to forgive you. There's nothing wrong with asking someone to forgive you. Right. But, you know, if I do something to you, I don't go to a random person to ask for forgiveness if that random person is not God. Right. Like, you know, their shortcomings are somehow affect your shortcomings are somehow affecting them. Right. The only ones you're affecting is Christ. Exactly. All right, first Kings seventeen. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, uh, as the as the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. 
And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself in the brook Cherith, uh, that is before Jordan. So this is when Elijah made the claim, you know, of course it stopped raining three and a half years. Mm -hmm. And then you go to 18 and 1, and it says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go shew thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Now you know that that rain itself is, yeah, physical rain, but it's also the latter rain, you know, which the Bible talks about as far as the filling of the Spirit goes. Mm -hmm. Remember, when Ahab and Jezebel were there, the rain was shut up. Right. Why? It was not in the order of the Lord. They were out whoring with the other gods. Ahab married Jezebel, which made the whole kingdom of Israel subject to Baal. Right. Okay? So we'll go back to James and we'll finish up. But that's what it means in verse uh, 17. I'll read it again. Elijah was a man subject to the passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not and on the earth uh, by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven uh, gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. 19. Brethren, if any of you do error, which is err, you know, from the truth, uh, and, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. So, you know, we should take soul winning very serious right. and correcting one another serious because you do save a soul from death. Of course, it's the Lord who's in complete control of the whole thing. But still in all, you know, you're doing a work to try not and let your brother be condemned, brother or sister in Christ. Right. One of the things that uh, I think I've said this a while back, but the churches I went to when I was younger, their soul winning was considered giving them a 12 step track. Mm -hmm. It was called the Romans Road, and yeah. it sounds like a 12-step program, <laughs> Yeah, and it's more than just a 12-step program. You know, it's like if you're going to witness to somebody, and, and we'd go out to multiple places, mm -hmm. and it was like, hey, here you go, basically have at it. And like you said, it's more than that. It's like if you're going to be a soul winner, you got to stay with that person. you got to right. talk to them, and, you know, it's obviously their choice if the Lord puts it upon them to come to know him, then that's between them and the Lord. But we don't tell people, hey, you're saved. That's not up to us. We don't have that exactly. right. Exactly. And it's all about bringing people to enter into relationship, not joining this. Right. You can't join the body of Christ. Okay? you got to be born into the body of Christ. you got to be born again. Mm -hmm. That's how you get into the body of Christ. So it's not just about a church or what people try and tell you the needs to be. And a lot of the times when you're handing out tracts, you're trying to win people to your pastor. Mm -hmm. I don't care if this information gets out to whomever. I hope they find the Lord. I hope they find a nice church. I hope more than anything, they enter into relationship with the Lord right. and become born again to do the Lord's will. Right. So that's a study today. You know, we went through the book of James, chapters 1 through 5. Um, faith without works, being dead, being able to mortify your members. To be in control, really basically growing up and maturing in Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, being perfect, being made perfect, yielding to the law of liberty, 
which is the Holy Ghost. We get into the Lord. He gets into us. And then our mission is finished. Mm -hmm. We are led by the Spirit to have great works first through faith. Okay? So with that, I guess we'll go out in the word of prayer. Okay. Good. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you today humbled before you. And I want to thank you for another day that you have given to us. And I want to thank you for another opportunity that you have given to us to come and to study your word. Lord, to, di to dissect everything that's being said, to dive deeply into what you have said and what you have commanded us to do, Lord, so we have a greater understanding of what you want us to do, how you want us to go out into this world, to not be of this world, but, Lord, to go out and is to win souls, is to bring people into the body of Christ. Lord, is to bring people into the kingdom of heaven. Lord, and I pray that you would give us an understanding of what you want us to do, Lord how we have to kill off the flesh in us first. Lord, how we have to be right with you so we can hear your voice, so we can know what you want us to do, where you want us to go, who you want us to talk to, Lord. And I'm asking and praying today that you would build up this ministry. I'm so very thankful for all the things that you have done for us, everything that you've given to us, everything that you have blessed us with and bestowed upon us, Lord, how you have taken us away from the world system. Lord, and how you have built us up in spiritual knowledge, not world, not worldly wisdom, Lord, but godly wisdom. How you have filled us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, so we can have the spiritual discernment to know what's truth and what is evil. And Lord, I'm asking and praying today that you will build up this ministry, that you will make us bold, that we will not have fear of anything, fear of loss of family, friends, job, loss of whatever it takes, Lord, that we will obey your voice that we will hear your voice lord to know what you want us to do and i ask you and pray today that you would be with martin and laura eric and holly and jackson jake mikhail andrew and his mom and their situation lord i pray that they would make you their father lord be with ryan and jessica chantel lord tina Derek's friend samantha lord her, his friend bonnie and her daughter and so many others lord cammy and her husband and sister Dan and Tracy, Ed and his wife, Dick and Marge, Sue and her husband, and Karen and their mom and, sis and every everyone else, Lord. I pray that you would help us. Be with Derek, Lord, that you would continue to guide and direct and lead his life within this ministry. But, Lord, I'm praying that you will light a fire under this ministry like no other. Lord, that we would be given into more prayer and fasting to kill off the flesh. Lord, that we will have a hunger and thirst after your word to seek a relationship with you. Lord, as your word has said, and if we look around us today, we are living in the last days, the beginning of the last days. And I pray, I pray, Lord, that you will make it in us, a fire in us, Lord, that we will go out and we will do your will. That eventually, Lord, we will be preaching and teaching your gospel in the streets and wherever you want us to go. And I pray that we will be led by your Holy Spirit. I pray also for our families today, Lord, and everything that they are going through. And our friends as well, if they are bound by religion or if they need your hands of healing upon their lives, Lord, I pray that you would make that so. But more importantly than just the physical, Lord, I pray that there is spiritual healing. Lord, I'm asking and praying that you would be with my friend Susan today and everything that she's going through with her child and her parents. Lord, that there is spiritual healing upon that family. Be with Derek's father and his eye and his family. Be with Ryan's family and Jessica's family, Lord. Be with my family and all others. Lord, I'm, I know today that there are many of us that want a blessing upon our lives, but I pray that we are willing to do your will first. Lord, that we will pray for those 
that need healing, that we will pray for those, Lord, that need to come to know you, that we will pray for those, Lord, that hunger, that thirst, that have nothing, that need. Lord, and I pray that you will press it upon our lives as well, that we are willing to give, Lord, because you have given to us. I thank you again, Lord, for all the things that you've done for us in this ministry. I pray that you would build us up every day to bring lost souls to you, that you would help us to understand the spiritual warfare that's going on around us, Lord, that we will not be blind to it, but that we will see it to know that the enemy walks around it to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I pray that you would help us, that we will take on the full armor of God because that is our defense against the enemy. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Place your shield of protection around us. Lead us into your truths. Lead us into all truths. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.